Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Hey, Brent, how's it going? Going good, Alan. All right, that's enough of that small talk. We are not alone today. We have an old colleague of mine, uh, not old in age, but someone who I worked with. Let me finish. I'm going to let you finish, Brent. uh, Someone I work with, uh, I think the last time we crossed paths, we'll we'll, we'll do a little catch up here. About 15 years ago, I'd like to welcome Sue Lowe to the uh, AB Testing Podcast. Hi, Sue. Thank you. Hi, nice to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a while, right? Uh, I'm going to see if I can recollect. I think I left CE in 2005. Uh, and we worked a Windows CE, for those of you that were, um, for the millennials there, it was an old embedded version of Windows. It was fun. Wince. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was IoT before IoT was a thing. It was ahead of its time. It was ahead of its time. We used to build like entire operating systems and web services with device drivers that booted off of a floppy disk. Once again, for the millennials, a floppy disk was a little thing you shoved into your computer that had data on it, kind of like a USB key. And it wasn't floppy. No. (laughs) Well, if you tore it apart, it was, but then you couldn't use it anymore. Yeah. I'm not going to try and remember everything I, I maybe you did you move away while working on ce like didn't you move to atlanta or something yeah i was working oh my remotely. god i remembered and, <laughs> but then you but then you came back yeah um my husband had uh, uh he wanted to do an academic job and there's only one university here in seattle and if you don't get a job there you have to choose other things so he went to georgia tech and i went with him and luckily the team let me stay working remotely that's cool. And then you decided to come back. So I'm not going to walk through your whole career because I'm not. I, well, I do want to catch up a little bit on what you've been up to since then. Uh, there's another bigger topic that you know I want to get to. But but mm-hmm. first, let's just uh, I, I am curious both uh, both for mostly for me, but I think the listeners find it interesting. So what have you been up to the last 15 years? Well, uh, working on Windows CE turned into working on Windows Mobile and Windows Phone. And I had a great time working on Windows Phone. I love that product with all my heart, and it slowly died. Uh, as that product disappeared, we all got organized into the Windows team. And I worked on the Windows team for a while until one day I decided uh, I wanted to get back to devices again and looked around and found a friend on the HoloLens team and managed to finagle my way into working on HoloLens. So I've been doing that for the last almost a year now. And what do you do on the HoloLens team? What's your what's your specialty? Uh, I work with our telemetry data. Uh, I Part of my work is just watching our reliability and making sure we fix all the crashes, including some stuff on Unity, by the way. Noted. Uh, <laughs> uh, but mostly uh, a lot in our own code. And then um, also actually building out the pipeline for our uh, our government product that we have. I want to ask, but I'm probably not allowed to. Yeah. Government product. Well, it's, it's publicly <laughs> announced. We There's a military no. HoloLens product where you could imagine uh, – a augmented reality things you might do with a soldier. 
So what's the biggest bug you worried about with that product? Uh, leaking data onto the public internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's one hack away from everyone being a soldier. Right. <laughs> Which might be fun. When we work together on Windows CE, you're working on performance, but it was file system stuff as well. Uh, I know in Windows, you're on doing performance, looking at low-level performance fixes. What keeps you 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 like you like working in the guts of things? So, what keeps you excited about that? What's interesting about that for you? Uh, I love the chase. You know, uh, investigating really tough things where you've got a sniff of what's going on and you have to dig and try to figure it out. You know, when you finally figure it out, it, it, it was always a story, you know? Ah, that's, that's a good parallel into the real reason you're here. I, I, I'm seeing some parallels between our main topic of the day and the story you just told. I always like the debugging too. Yeah, I could tell stories, but it's, it's, it's your podcast today, so I'm going to stop. But I love debugging. And someone today, I just helped them find a clue. They said, this is like Columbo, where we're, under, where we're uncovering clues to find things. It's really fun. So I'll stop there. But let me move on to the real reason you're here. And we could talk, we could do a whole podcast talking about what you've done and the interesting things you found. And I think it's all really cool. I love that kind of work. But what's more important is you have an evil plan to save the world. And that is fantastic, and I want to hear more about it. Tell me about your evil plan to save... Actually, don't tell me. I, I know it. Tell everyone listening about your evil plan to save the world. Sure. Uh, it started several years ago when I was listening to an NPR story about how the Hunger Games... Uh, after the Hunger Games came out, uh, the number of girls taking archery skyrocketed and i said wow you know if big companies like microsoft and amazon and google were really interested in improving the diversity of people doing software they should hire people to make best-selling novels and movies about kids saving the world with software and get more girls and more you know, diverse people interested in working with software by making it as cool as the Hunger Games made archery. So uh, I was, you know, mostly just kind of talking about this and wishing I could make something happen. And a friend of mine said, you know, ghostwriters exist. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Uh, and I told him to go away because he was scaring me, but that, you know, started me on the journey where I said, okay, if I were to really do this, you know, like, do I have a story? What would I have as, as the basis of this thing? And it took me probably about a year to come up with the list of characters and a plot. And so I started looking up ghostwriters and realized how much it was going to cost. So I decided to run a Kickstarter to pay for the ghostwriting and so it does help that having been in the software industry for 20 years, I knew a lot of people. Uh, I basically emailed everyone I had connected to me on LinkedIn, which was like 800 people at the time. And um, that, you know, since it was something a lot of people in software care about, trying to improve our, the diversity of the people in the software industry, a lot of people helped out. 
And so uh, I managed to fund this through uh, a Kickstarter and it took the author and me together about a year to put it together. And then um, me more time to get it published. And it was just published about a month ago on May 20th. And and it, to be clear, is a, a book called Raven. Yes. Which, yeah. uh, I, which I've read and enjoyed very much. Thank you. I, I, yeah. I'm not afraid to read a young adult thriller. Yeah, it's targeted at <laughs> middle schoolers. And it, it is funny. I asked my mom what she thought, and her answer was, well... You can tell it's not written for me. <laughs> There's a lot of, you know, like kids talking to each other in lingo and stuff. And um, so that's okay. The But it's aimed at the middle school, young high school age folks. Uh, just trying Shows to give them. Shows my maturity. <laughs> I like it. I, I Honestly, I read that book with a huge smile on my face because it's just fun. It's aimed at that age group, uh, and it's really just a fun story. You know, at the end of the day, kids aren't going to read it if it's not a fun story. So uh, we did our best to make it something that folks in that age group would enjoy. And it's uh, the premise of the book is what if software companies got tired of waiting for, you know, the ability to hire more people because it's, it's so hard to find people they start running their own academies where you go to the school for free, uh, spend time there earning the equivalent of a bachelor's degree in computer science. And when you're done, you work at the company to pay off the cost of your schooling and then you're free to go and do whatever you want. So, and the students are working at, on this team for the university and the universe, well, the, the academy and the company are hired to investigate a hack at a bank. I actually came up with this plot before Experian got hacked. And then <laughs> when that came into the news, I was like, I got to publish this book before more things come true. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they, they are investigating a hack at a bank and uh, it turns out to be, you know, a, a mystery of what's going on earlier and with no intention at all on asking like what kept you interested in tech i saw a parallel between the story you told me like the the uh investigation and the discovery and the the detective work and what happens in raven so obviously intentional and yeah. the book the book has a lot of a lot of really cool tech ideas in it too which were fun so i'm just curious wh- how did that work between you and the ghostwriter, because I assume the ghostwriter maybe didn't have that tech background. What's that relationship like? So uh, I don't have the right to give away my ghostwriter's name, but I'm not uh, asking that. Yeah, but she had actually worked in the tech industry. Ah. Uh, she was actually a uh, involved in uh, the production of Windows 95, and so um, it that it was- narrows it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, a woman. Yeah, okay. in t- <laughs> now it's really narrowed <laughs> that, that down. But, yeah. a lot, but it still won't tell you who it was. But uh, yeah. And she had actually even had problems with being uh, mistreated as a person in the tech industry at the time. So it was, you know, she turned out to be a great partner on this. Last year, and Brent, you don't know this. Um, one thing I know, so I've, I can write technical stuff all day. I did the How We Test Software at Microsoft book and 
articles here and there. Last year for uh, NaNoWriMo, I wrote about 10,000 words of a, maybe 20,000 words of a, of a business fiction novel about this modern testing thing. And That's it's awesome. all, it, no, but it's awful. So I'm, I'm picking your brain. So well, that was the, that was part of the intent also of hiring a ghostwriter was to get an actual professional to do it so that it would be a good book. Yeah, the, the stories in my head that I think about when I'm walking, I go to write them down, and I I better just stick to writing uh, technical descriptions of things. But it, it's just really cool. So in Raven, I really enjoyed how the plot. Well, I I don't want to give away any spoilers. You've done well how the plot, uh, the problems that we're solving, and even getting to know more about the characters all kind of happened in parallel. And I think that made it a page turner for me. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's a question there or not, but it just, you know, even reading a book targeted for someone slightly younger than me, uh, it, it all kind of fell together. I, I, you know, as the person I mentioned before, I, oh, I love debugging. That's the part that really that really got me was just watching them discover the problem and the problem unfold. And then, then the, the students who are, you talk about, they get their equivalent of their, their, their BA in computer science. They're all in high school and smarter than any BA I ever interviewed in my life. So it's fun. It's fun. And uh, anyway, just a comment there. I, I was kind of proud to, sort of get them in there looking at performance logs and things. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a performance person, having some of the problems in the story involve performance and similar investigations to things I would have done, uh, I was happy to get that in there. Yeah, and you also covered uh, some of the... You know, Jerry Weinberg says, in software, eventually it's always a people problem. And the book also covers, in the character development, how much the relationships and conflicts and and even teamwork among the team members, uh, it, it felt very real to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, one of the other things I wanted to portray was the fact that uh, software is not necessarily just writing code. You know, there are a lot of different things that uh, you can go into in software. It's a pretty broad, you know, you, you've worked in testing, I've worked in performance, you know, um, you sure you have to know how to write code, but it's not necessarily the thing that you love about it. And one of the characters, it didn't entirely come out that it was specific to her, but like uh, the character um, Wiz was intended to be somebody who was actually really good with people and understanding people and figuring out what people needed. And um other people were intended to have different kind of focuses on what they were good at. Uh, so I wanted to show that you didn't have to love writing code in order to love working on software. Yeah. And that definitely comes out. And, and as you know, like I mentioned, I've been in more in infrastructure and, and DevOps roles, which are a lot about there's we use code to solve some problems, but it's more about just kind of making things work making things easier to solve. And of course, working in performance, it's you mentioned earlier, it's looking at a lot of data, then figuring out what to do, and then maybe writing code to help you, in some ways mm-hmm. to help you understand what you're looking at. And then of course, looking at the code to figure out how does this relate into what's happening here and what can we fix here? And that thinking part is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right, Brent? I 
I wonder if it's just the maturity model. Like it, I was just thinking through, it has been a long time uh, since I've cared about the code I write. It's more around taking an idea and giving it birth, right? It, it's solving a problem that wasn't solved before. Like um, my, my, so I have a 10 year old daughter um, I, I've started sort of walking her through Python, and, and it's interesting. I've, I'm learning very uh, uh, a bunch of different things. Both of my boys uh, had learned uh, Java; they were older. She's very different. For her, it's interesting because coding needs to be a social event. Right? It, unlike me, sitting down and writing code. Uh, very introspective for her. It's it's she's having fun if I'm sitting there with my laptop next to her, writing code too. Right? It's it, it, if I if I if I close my laptop to to start making dinner, uh, her interest just plummets. But <clears throat> I saw her doing some of the things this last time. I don't know why I got on this topic, but I saw her doing things this last time. Um, oh, I remember now. Where Brent, she, Brent eventually, but not always, gets to a point. This is I, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I, I deserve the reputation of I say in twenty words what takes three. I saw her going up on Stack Exchange and doing searches and trying to find Python code that she could she could copy paste. And I'm like, wow, she's 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 almost a, a an actual yeah. Now. That's that's a professional. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, she asked me, you know, what languages do I know, and uh, and uh, and I I listed them off, but then I told her, I'm like, what the reality is, in my humble opinion, uh, I know them all now. Uh, it, it's just uh, it's because the patterns of, of coding languages are all essentially the same. Uh, they just have different approaches. Like a functional language, uh, sure, I can code in it. Don't want to. It hurts my head. Um, uh, in, in, uh, with one ex link, the, the link paradigm, I just can't get my head wrapped around that one. But anyway, that was the aspect. It's the, the coding language is not at all interesting anymore to me. And I'm wondering if it's if that's just because we're all uh, experienced and in, in, uh, you know have have time behind our belts on in this industry, like the glamour of a new language, and eh, whatever. I, I would like to point out that over the last week I've been learning Rust, and and I like it. I don't even know what I I've heard of it, but I don't know what you would use it for. <laughs> It's uh, actually for anything. It's uh, it's actually a, a lot like C and C plus plus with better memory management. So uh, yeah, I've I've enjoyed it so far. Um, I don't know what I'd use it for. I anything I write these days is in. Actually, I don't write much code anymore. But probably Python <laughs> is the most. You know, after writing C forever, uh, Python probably what I use the most. So anyway, uh, Brent. The, a good story, uh, the um, 
nobody can see my eyes roll in the podcast. Uh, I I have some more book questions, but before I forget, I do want to. I know I'm pretty sure you do some other things for, like. English. You do some other things, like extracurriculars to also get more people involved in tech. And one yes. of them is a thing that another old colleague of ours, a former employee of mine still at Microsoft, did for a while. I know you're heavily involved in now is Hunt the Wumpus. So I'm sure which I want to hear about. But what, what else are you doing? What, what's going on? You're doing you're doing stuff for people and I don't want to hear about it. Wumpus is one of the major other things I do. Yeah. Uh, before we go into that, I, I guess I don't, I'm trying to think of what other, I organize for my hockey team, <laughs> but that's not particularly related to software. Uh, I'm kind of a sucker and get involved in lots of things because people can just sense that I can get involved and organize. So, uh, it's a challenge to say no. <laughs> um, so hunt the wumpus. Yeah, I, I, I doubt other than you and I, maybe nobody knows what that is. So tell me. Yeah, about it. I would love to hear who it was that you worked with. But before we do that, um, Hunt the Wumpus is a program to get more students into computer science by uh, taking the students in a class, um, a computer class and forming them into teams and then having mentors go help them uh, through a project building a Hunt the Wumpus game. So we give them a spec for how the game should be played and then help them figure out how to turn that into objects. And each student owns an object and they work together to make this game. And the, the really cool thing is, you know, they start out excited. They have all these grand ideas for how they're going to make their game. Uh, and then they get all bogged down in confusion because they don't actually know how to turn that into something. And we help them through all that confusion. And then at the end, they've produced something that isn't quite what they had dreamed up, but is at the end more than what they kind of expected out of themselves and feel really proud about it. So it's it's really fun to mentor students through it. And one of the cool things also is that the schools that we work with we end up growing their computer science program. So I've been working with Redmond High School for about a decade. When I started, we had one class of computer science that we were working with. And this past year, we had five. And in fact, every year he keeps coming back and saying, yeah, I have more. <laughs> so That's cool. It was um, Evan Goldring was doing some of that many, yeah. many years ago. He keeps he uh, was involved in that. It's a super cool program. And I think it, it's, it's across multiple, I don't remember anymore, but it's across multiple high schools, right? Yeah. We work with, I think it was six area high schools this past year. Uh, the, and even it's been, we've had little sprinklings of things outside of the uh, Seattle area as well. But the truth is, you know, we organize Microsoft mentors. And so it tends to be here in the local Seattle area. When I was in Atlanta, that's when I got involved. I brought it to one of the high schools in Atlanta. I was going to ask if it spread out. And and now that the workforce of every company is spread out amongst the whole world, uh, it, it maybe it could spread even wider. This this year, did you do Hunt the Wumpus virtually or did it happen or what happened? 
Uh, we, yeah, we work each spring. Uh, we start in the schools around the end of January and then go through the spring semester and end at the end of the school year where we bring them all to Microsoft. We, yeah, so not, we not much off. of that happened. Yeah. So we, we did get started. Um, most of our schools got about a month into it and then, uh, yeah, the mentors weren't allowed at first. It was no, no visitors. The mentors weren't allowed to go to the schools, and then eventually all the students were sent home. And uh, for the most part, we just ended up shutting down the program. We had two teams of students continue. Um, one was a group of students who just self-organized at Redmond High School. And one was there was a private school that we brought in for the first time this year, uh, Eastside Prep. And those students, uh, the school was very, very well prepared to do things online. They already had classes going on teams uh, and, and they actually sent their students home earlier than the rest of the public schools around here. And so they just continued with business as usual and their mentors would help them through the project over teams and uh, everything was working great for them. So they continued and this one group of determined students at Redmond High School continued. And so we got two projects. That's given the circumstances, that's still very cool. Hey, Brent, have yeah. you heard of Hunt the Wumpus before? I played it back back uh, when I was seven, eight. <laughs> the program uh, that, that Sue just described, I had not. And I'm extremely interested, right? Um, uh, one of the things that, that it is, it's very possible, like the, uh, my middle son, when he was coding... He never mentioned the term hunt the wampus, but he had a similar thing where it ended with a field trip at Microsoft, right? He it had, might have been wampus. He, he spent the the entire day in uh, building 33. Um, the, uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to ask him. The, but for my daughter, one of the things, um, so have you gone into the lower age range? I've gone through and <clears throat> she's she's more advanced than uh, what's that beginning thing that starts the beginning programming thing that starts with an S. Scratch? That's it. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, so she's more advanced than that, but um, certain coding constructs confuses her. And, and originally I had, I had started with um, uh, head first, uh, learning to code and love the head first series, but even that's too advanced. So now what I've been looking for is, is um, uh, little, little, very simple projects where it's very clear the outcome, it would be fun to, to do. And now sort of reverse reverse teaching her coding. Instead of like sort of teaching her this is what a for loop does and this is how to use it. So instead of teaching the widget seats from the end to end and then go back and explain the widgets. But what I'm looking for is sort of a open source uh, uh, listing of little projects like that that she can select from. Um, doesn't seem like that aspect has been well enough organized yet. I'm thinking like like code kata for teens and tweens. Right, exactly. Right. But my kids, have, 
Yeah, my kids have lots of fun on code.org making little things. That's basically Scratch, though, and it's not—it's probably too boring for a, a, a someone your daughter's age. Yeah, she she has this dream. Um, uh, her heroes right now are the the female developers at uh, Roblox. Ah. She can list them off. Sadly, I can't. Um, and, and she kind of wants to follow in the in in those shoes. And, and I love that she's got some role models. Yeah. Are these <laughs> are these um, the people building Roblox or people building cool stuff on Roblox? Yes. Both. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, and so she comes in and uh, she comes in. They, some of the systems there. It gives her the ability to sort of design things, and she can sell things. I haven't, I haven't dove enough into it to to go. What exactly is she doing? Um, I probably should, because I think I can tie that to her coding adventure. Anyway, Roblox. I, I've not tinkered a lot with it, but I did show my 11-year-old how to install their dev kit and get started, and she was making her own platformer games within 15 minutes. I was very impressed. It's a great way to get some kids started. That's oh. impressive, yeah. That's way easier than Unity. Yeah. And, and it, I can say it, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, having spent... So when I got started on the HoloLens team, I... You know, it's not my job to write HoloLens apps, but I wanted to see what it was like. So I set aside a day and said, I'm going to spend this whole day learning how to write HoloLens apps. And four hours later, I was still trying to get Unity and Visual Studio and everything that we needed installed correctly in order to get started. And that was enormously frustrating. And it's something that we definitely need to fix for our product. And uh, I was impressed that Roblox just had an instant, you know, download and you're done. Yeah, both of my kids have gone through a programming in Unity course for teens. Uh, they're 16 and 14. Uh, they did this a couple of years ago, maybe two summers ago. Anyway, they can they both uh, learn some of the basics of it, but uh, the the learning curve is it's there. You can do some basics pretty well, uh, but yeah, getting it once you start get, make, trying to get it to work with a bunch of other things, it's a little bit of a huh, what, yeah. So, yep, room for improvement there. Uh, Maybe we can work together on that. Yes, yes. So, um, for better or for worse, I don't work on that part of Unity. I just work in in the ads business. I I make sure that game developers can make money off of their games. Also important. It is. It is. Uh, so. Let's go back to the book a little bit. I just have a couple more questions. So maybe you can, I don't know if we can do this or not, but without any spoilers, and you, you mentioned earlier you read the book with a smile on your face. Do you have a favorite part of the book or a favorite? And again, maybe you can't answer this without spoiling, but I'm curious, uh, Did like was there a part of the book that turned out even better than you expected? Maybe I'll put it that way. Uh I can answer that without spoiling. Uh, the spoilers are some of my favorite parts, but uh, the um, one of the things that kind of happened as I and the writer went along was uh, 
we ended up kind of modeling a software development environment that is a lot more wholesome <laughs> than many. You know, uh, yeah. there's this character mom who's, you know, trying to take care of the kids and like making them eat their vegetables and stuff, you know, and always making sure that if they're up late working on something that they get a sandwich, you know, yeah. mom, and- mom is awesome. And it, you know, even, yeah, I, I'll just say that throughout the book, mom is awesome. Yeah. And, and so I, I was really proud, but it's more than just that, you know, like there's Carver who's running the school, the Academy uh, and kind of, uh, I don't know, quarterbacking their team also. Uh, and, between the two of them, they're watching out for the welfare of the students involved, not just, um, you know, working them to death and, and focusing on the, the goals, but also focusing on them as people. And that is something that I was kind of proud of modeling in the book was a more, you know, people centric development environment. Yeah, very cool. It, it definitely came across. So uh, you missed it before, right before you logged in. Uh, as you know, I've read the book, but Brent, uh, you say you ha- you have a copy for your daughter. She hasn't read yet. Is that correct? Oh yeah. Uh, yesterday I went up, looked up, um, uh, and uh, downloaded it to my daughter's Kindle. She she's awake yet. Uh, so or she's awake now. Um, but so she hasn't looked at her Kindle because the first thing she does is breakfast and then she goes, um, goes on to Roblox. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I will, we won't have it for today, but I look forward to hearing her reaction. Uh, yeah, I'll share it. I'll share it. Um, and if nothing else, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send whatever feedback to you directly soon. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a fun read and also, I see from your website, there's some re- positive reviews coming in. Uh, I won't ask you to sell, to share your sales information, but I hope the book is going well because, well, actually, let me ask it this way. Will, where are we at right now with the the concept of maybe having a book having two? Having a book two. <laughs> um, I, would, I would love to make a book two happen. Uh, at the moment, I'm spending my time focusing on trying to uh, do a good job with book one. You know, uh, I sent out feelers to get help from all from people on all sorts of things, like libraries I should talk to about carrying the book, and youth organizations I should donate copies to, things like that. And I haven't followed up on all of those things yet. So I'm trying to complete my mission on book one before getting started on book two. Understood. Uh, yeah, I would love to. Um, I just have to, uh, I don't know, convince myself that it's worth it in the number of people that yeah. I'll reach. But, you know, the funny thing is, like, the best way to market book one is to have a book two, right? Uh, <laughs> the best way to get more readers is to keep writing. And so... We'll see. I would love to make it happen. I just have to justify the the expense. You know, I'd have to be asking people to put, donate to another Kickstarter. And um, the time wasn't really that bad on my part. So, Do you, do you have plenty more ideas? Do, do, I do, do have do, more do, ideas. Do you have, do you have additional plots and technical problem-solving things? I actually have <laughs> another plot that I like even better than the first book. 
though. So Ooh. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I like it enough that I kind of want it to be book three, but I have to come up with another idea for oh, book two. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you have to find your Empire Strikes Back to go in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you should lead with uh, uh, that last statement um, as, as you try to succeed in your mission on with Raven. Right? It, that might be enough to say to inspire your audience. Oh, if, if we could just push Sue over that boundary, we'll we'll get that idea <laughs> on paper. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. If you want to help support it, then buy books for the young folks in your life. So you know, just kind of encourage them to think about themselves in a software career. How have you been? Uh, how have you been surviving during COVID? quarantine how's it been Uh, going for you sue it's been good actually so uh we've had a nanny watching our kids ever since we had kids and uh our nanny has still been coming every day to watch them so unlike many parents with young kids it hasn't been that hard on us uh during the day we can uh have a pretty normal work day so overall if anything i'm working too much and need to find better ways to set boundaries. <laughs> I've, I, I've heard that before too. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely you know I was working from home most days before because none of the teams, none of my team is in the Seattle area. They're all in San Francisco and uh, UK and Helsinki, mm-hmm. and maybe and maybe a few other places. So it's just been getting used to. Uh, just getting used to them all being home too. Brent, on the other hand, is uh, have you just blown up yet, or or what's are you survi- Are you getting any better at handling this, Brent? No, no, it is it it is absolutely. Thankfully, it's slow, but it is absolutely a steady consistent decline i can't predict when i'm gonna go crazy but i can i i can feel it every single day getting closer and closer and closer uh however i think i understand now the primary cause um uh last week we had a meeting free day and i was completely recharged i'm like ah a day where no Freaking PM can spontaneously set up a 30-minute meeting on my calendar. Oh, fantastic. Uh, and I, so I got things done. Um, so the, yeah. the, 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 I don't think it's the working from home so much as working from home is, is inspiring far too much time on my calendar spent talking and not enough doing in that, that, that lack of balance is is driving me insane. Yep. Today, in fact, uh, unfortunately, I overslept. But today, my half hour meetings were supposed to start at six six in the morning. Uh, they don't end till five p.m. and it literally is back to back to back to back all the way through lunch, half hour meetings. Uh, everyone asking me for status. So um, bad plot ideas for the Raven series, a whole book where they can't save the world because they're too busy in meetings <laughs> all day. Meetings. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you know, if you want your villain, you know, that could be the, 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 um, 
the origination story for the villain, right? <laughs> crazy because of it. Oh my. Well, Sue, it's uh it's been really fun having you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this. I I I saw the I missed the kick and I, and I if if there's another Kickstarter for book two, I will be part of the support for that. I, I missed seeing a Kickstarter the first time, but I did see on LinkedIn, I said, wait, I know this person, and that looks like a cool idea. And I got the book right away. And it's a good read. And so for anyone listening, uh, read it for yourself, read it for your family, or get it for your family, get it for your kids, get it for your friends' kids. Uh, let's get the word out because not only is it is the premise behind your evil plan to save the world really really cool, uh, but you ended up with a really nice product. You you solved the problem very well. You saw a problem. You said I'm going to do this, and your solution for that problem was just. It's I think it's fantastic. So uh, I will put. When I post this on Monday, I'll have links to both your evil plan to save the world and uh, links to. I don't know. I I can't I can't decide if we're hating Amazon or not right now. I can do an Amazon link, but uh, what whatever whatever I just other try book, to link to everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I I will I will look at your site and see whatever links you have to whatever bookstores are around. But definitely worth checking out. And uh, any any final words from you, uh, Brent or Sue, before we close for today? Well, the one thing I want to call out is uh, with. With this with Sue. I don't know that we went into her evil plan sufficiently enough, but she's trying to spread the word. Uh, like the, the, we talked a great deal around getting girls to code. Um, that's a big part of it. Up on Kindle right now, uh, it's 99 cents. It's, she's, she's not, just like with this podcast, Sue is not doing this uh, to, to get rich. It, it's to it's to share and spread a message and, and to try to change how we uh, impact interest into the tech and sciences. Um, I believe. Tell me where I'm yes. wrong there, Sue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I priced it absolutely as low as I could. Um, any money I make off of it, I'm going to donate. So um, it's, it's all about trying to... Uh, change people's perceptions about jobs and software. And in fact, I've put in enough money. I'm, ne I'm never going to break even, and that's fine. Uh, the other thing I'm doing uh, lately, uh, since the social unrest that's been happening, is I started to try supporting Black authors. There's a community amount around the self-publishing industry that I got invo involved in and I volunteered there that I would read and review books by black authors and I've been posting book reviews on my evil plan to save the world. So another way people can help is just go look at the book reviews and if there are any books that look good, go buy them from these authors. So I would love to continue with that, by the way, as I keep going when I finish this first round of books that I've committed to read and review, I'm going to keep going with books, uh, any books that promote diversity in STEM and tech. So just keep a look there. It's beginning to sound like your evil plan to save the world isn't actually so evil. <laughs> but it makes it more fun to call yeah, it, it does. that. It does. Uh, I'm, I'm massively impressed. Thank you.
Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Our pleasure. Again, it's good to catch up with you. It's only been 15 years, but uh, uh, it's it's great to talk to you again and hear what you've been up to. And uh, just congratulations on on doing such a on doing what you've been doing. It's 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 just really impressive for me. I'm 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 really in awe. So thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, please, everyone, check check out everything Sue talked about, and uh, and let's do, let's support more diversity in tech. Uh, more, actually, I shouldn't even say in tech. Let's just support diversity everywhere. All right. Yeah. Gosh, seems so easy. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you again, Sue. Uh, thanks, Brent. Thanks for hanging out, and we'll see everyone next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.